Welcome to 1909, your home with the state news for everything happening on campus and around Lansing. I'm Willie Gwinney. This is our welcome back from spring break episode, so we're going to catch you up on some campus updates as well as our regular news recap. Just a reminder that most buildings on campus now require an MSU ID card to scan into the doors, so carry your card with you, and if you can't find yours, ASMSU is ready to help. ASMSU will be covering the $20 fee for new IDs for all undergraduate students through March 24th, according to their public relations manager, Brandy Stover. Before buildings on campus were only locked in the evening, there were limited needs for a student ID, particularly for students living off campus. They didn't use dining hall meal swipes or have special access to specific buildings like research labs. Stover said many students didn't need to keep track of their ID cards. The goal of ASMSU's Initiative is to ensure equal access to campus buildings for all students without them having to worry about the finances of it. Students who need a new ID should head to the International Center, which holds the ID office. ASMSU has been in contact with the office to keep them aware of the program. Students who get a new ID through March 24th will not be charged, but will otherwise receive the exact same service, Stover said. With that said, let's get into our news recap. We're going to bring you some campus updates, a closer look at the law enforcement response from February 13th, and political news. Then we'll hear our couple minutes of just good news about a student who turned the Spartan Strong phrase into a meaningful song. So let's get into it. As a shooter terrorized the university's campus last month, MSU's Department of Police and Public Safety, or DPPS, was assisted by first responders from 72 law enforcement, fire, and emergency medical service agencies. Officers came from across Michigan, as far east as Auburn Hills and as far west as Grand Rapids, and from federal agencies including U.S. Border Patrol, Federal Bureau of Investigation, and the Department of Homeland Security. MSU Department of Police and Public Safety belongs to the Ingham County Regional Communications Center. This means the county's 911 line is part of a central dispatch center that connects the public to police, fire, and emergency medical services. As a result, the dispatch center was able to communicate immediately to other jurisdictions such as the East Lansing and Lansing Police Departments, Meridian Township Police Department, and the Ingham County Sheriff's Office. Radio communication promoted other agencies to respond. Our senior city reporter, Wajiha Kamal, spoke with MSU's Vice President of Police and Public Safety, Marlon Lynch, to build a comprehensive look at how police responded on the night of February 13th. Lynch said that ELPD officers arrived simultaneously with DPPS officers. They assessed the situation when they entered the scene and dictated how to render aid and attempt to neutralize the threat. Officers arrived at the scene after shots were first fired at Berkey Hall, trained to organize and enter the building immediately with equipment ready at hand. Once shots were fired, the department's emergency communication center was immediately opened, according to DPPS communications manager Dana White. The center is a completely separate operation that is in contact with the Unified Command Post. White said the call came into the department's emergency operations center at 8.18 p.m., which was when the first 911 call about the incident came into Ingham County dispatch. The first emergency alert of the night was sent out at 8.30 p.m., 12 minutes after reports of the first shots were fired. Students, faculty, and staff are automatically subscribed to MSU alerts with their emails, but in order to receive alerts via a phone call or text message, they must log into the system on alert.msu.edu and change their notification preferences. FBI Michigan Special Agent in Charge Jim Jim Taraska said federal law enforcement agencies will typically self-deploy in crises or violent situations like the one on MSU's campus. 
The primary goal during the four-hour lockdown was to make sure there was no further threat, which involved groups of tactical teams and regular police officers going into buildings, clearing them, and making sure students were safe while locating the threat. The police radio, or scanner, is a means for the police and law enforcement agencies to communicate with each other, but the radio is unfiltered, which means that the information on the radio is unverified. For example, on the night of the shooting, a bomb threat at Owen Hall that officers were informed of through the police radio was unfounded. At the time, the suspect was being located, White said. Jaroska said people were scared, calling in everything they heard or saw, which then was reported on the police scanner. MSU DPPS offers active shooter trainings, which can be done with students living in resident halls and faculty in their offices. However, Lynch said the department is considering how trainings in classroom settings where an active shooting scenario is more likely to happen will work. For instance, the department is looking to understand how to communicate the time frame of an active shooter scenario better, than tra- better during trainings themselves. The executive policy committee consisting of Lynch Interim President Teresa K. Woodruff and other executive officers was responsible for institutional decisions, including the shooting's impact on classes and the allocation of additional resources. On the night of the shooting, the committee was responsible for deciding what would happen to classes and university-wide operations the following day, as well as health and wellness services needed for those involved. The department will soon conduct an after-action evaluation of how emergency personnel and university leaders responded to the crisis with intentions to solicit an external third-party after-action review. Regarding the response, Lynch said there's room for improvement in many areas, emphasizing a need for preparedness and prevention and a balance between the two. In other police news, the MSU Police Department is separating its roles of Vice President of Public Safety and Police Chief in an effort to restructure the department. It will also be creating a new security center to centralize all of its systems. Marlon Lynch, who previously filled the combined position, will become the new vice president and chief safety officer pending approval from the Board of Trustees in April. Lynch appointed Chris Rosman, who was interim deputy chief, to the chief of of police position. The decision reverses the 2021 decision to combine the roles. Interim President Woodruff said the 2021 decision was a great move for the institution then, as it has allowed for, quote, increasing coordination across our public safety and our policing. However, Woodruff said MSU has since realized its university requires two separate full-time positions, a move many other large universities have made. In a campus-wide email, Woodruff wrote that the new structure will ensure MSUPD has, quote, accurate resources and support for our shared priorities. These priorities include university safety planning, which will be a primary responsibility of the new vice president. In this new structure, the chief of police will report to the vice president and chief safety officer. Lynch and Woodruff said this new structure will help accomplish the university's strategic plan. As vice president, Lynch will be able to work more closely on centralizing security systems. The university will also create a security operations center where the systems will be monitored in real time. Lynch said this will also create a standardized and integrated security system across all MSU entities, including in Flint, Grand Rapids, and Detroit. This will require the department to to hire new staff and acquire new technology. While Lynch works on consistency and partnership, Rosman's role as chief of police will focus on day-to-day operations with officers. Rosman said he has two priorities in assuming the role. First, he hopes to increase community outreach and build trust with students and staff. He also hopes to use a data-driven, intelligence-led policing model that would involve strategic deployment of officers. 
Lawmakers and students alike took to the steps of the Michigan Capitol building on March 15th to welcome a guest advocate, former Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords. Giffords, a survivor of a 2011 shooting that left her with critical brain injuries, traveled to Michigan to advocate for the passage of a series of gun control measures currently undergoing hearings in the Michigan legislature. Her appearance drew a crowd of both supporters and counter-protests to the lawn of the Capitol that Wednesday morning. The bill package at hand, which includes action on universal background checks, safe storage of firearms, and red flag laws, was introduced shortly after the events of February 13th on MSU's campus. Many lawmakers, as well as Governor Gretchen Whitmer, said at Wednesday's rally that they hope to see the package head to her desk in the next few weeks. Whitmer and Giffords were joined on the steps of the Capitol by other state lawmakers, MSU students, U.S. Reps Alyssa Slotkin and Debbie Dingell, and Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Slotkin said that she was impressed by the quick response of lawmakers after the shooting at MSU. The shooting at Michigan State was on the 13th of February, and here we are almost exactly a month later, and we're poised to pass legislation potentially in the next 10 business days, Slotkin said. The sirens of megaphones and shouts of counter-protesters were present throughout the rally. Many counter-protesters at the rally were vocal, carrying bullhorns and chanting pro-gun phrases. Others said they hoped to have conversations with those rallying in support of gun control. Slotkin addressed the counter-protesters in the crowd and called their chants the, quote, death rattle of an out-of-touch movement. When Gifford spoke, she said that she was determined to make the country safer after her experience with gun violence. My own recovery has taken me years, Gifford said. Many, many people have helped me along the way, and I learned so much. I learned that when people care for each other and work together, progress is possible. The rally was organized in part by Gifford's Policy and Law organization, Gifford's Center for Violence Intervention, which advocates around the country for various gun violence prevention policies. After MSU lifted its COVID-19 vaccine mandate, members of the Graduate Employees Union and the Union of Non-Tenure-Track Faculty responded, stating that the decision was made without the knowledge or consultants of faculty and teaching assistants. GU President Ava Hill said that the tragic event that unfolded on February 13th in combination with the lifting of the vaccine mandate did not make campus safer. Coming on the wake of the tragedy we all just lived through that just happened on campus a few weeks ago, to do this now and say we're going to make campus less safe in the wake of that for some people is just callous, Hill said. Hill said the vaccine mandate should not have been lifted at all, saying other vaccines are mandated for students, staff, and faculty. MSU does have a policy requiring undergraduate students to submit an immunization form and strongly recommends other vaccinations, but does not require that students are vaccinated. Through political advocacy and volunteering, the Spartan Food Security Council aims to combat food insecurity in the Lansing area. Co-founder Aditi Kulkarni said the organization blossomed from a desire to, quote, feed everyone. She knew this was a large mission, so she teamed up with James Madison College senior Spencer Good to start with her own community, Michigan State University. Advocating for legislation that promotes food security is currently the group's primary focus, Good said. The organization collaborated with Swipe Out Hunger, a group focused on promoting food security at colleges across the country. Dining plans at MSU include 12 combo exchange vouchers each week. The vouchers allow students to get a free on-the-go meal from various campus locations, including dining halls, Sparty's markets, concessions, and on-campus Starbucks locations. The Spartan Food Security Council is currently working to make these combo exchange vouchers transferable between students. 
but said they often hear from students that they don't use all 12 allotted vouchers each week. With state funding, MSU and other secondary education institutions across Michigan could implement programs to transfer these excess vouchers to students who don't purchase meal plans. The Hunger-Free Campus Bill also includes an expansion of Supplemental Nutrition Assistant Programs, or SNAP, to make the program more accessible to college students that are not currently eligible, Good said. Additionally, it includes funding to increase the presence of resources like food pantries on campus. The Spartan Food Security Council is in the preliminary stages of implementing a food pantry in Case Hall. Good said the pantry would work to complement existing solutions on campus, such as the Student Food Bank. In addition to advocacy work, the SFSC hosts events to feed the community directly. Comparative Cultures and Politics senior Kate Loop and International Relations junior Marin Nicolaisen are co-directors of the community outreach for the organization. Recently, they collaborated with the University Activities Board to hand out free meals provided by the Kellogg Center. Along with meals, Loop said they provided to students information on food security, resources in the Lansing area, and ways to get involved. Crop and Till Science freshman Grace Beam participated in handing out the meals. She said many students were temporarily facing food insecurity before spring break. Many commented that they didn't have food in their apartments at the time. In addition to advocacy and volunteering, Kulkarni said the organization works to combat food insecurity stigma by listening to the experiences of others. That's it for our news recap. Now it's time for a couple minutes of just good news. Today's good news story comes from our 11 sex reporter, PJ Pfeiffer, and is part of a state news series called Coping Creatively, which highlights students who are using creative outlets like music or art to deal with the challenges of recovering from a mass shooting. The days following February 13th at Michigan State left some students feeling uncomfortable, unsafe, or in need of support. One student turned to his music to help both himself heal and to inspire healing in others who had similar experiences. Media and Information senior Joseph Roy wrote and released a song to comfort the Spartan community. Roy, who uses the moniker J. Roy, has been making music since he was 10 years old, shortly after his father died in 2011. Roy has been part of the U.S. Navy as an IT worker since 2017, for which he's traveled to Italy, San Diego, and Florida. He was also on the Netflix show Rhythm and Flow, where he rapped in front of Chance the Rapper and other artists as a contestant. In spite of these achievements, Roy said writing and publishing the song for the Spartan community is one of his most memorable moments so far. Roy's song, titled I Believe, hashtag Spartan Strong, was released on February 18th. He started the project two days after the shooting. He said writing is an outlet for his thoughts and opinions. I knew right when it happened that I was going to need to make a song because that's just kind of how I vent, Roy said. I'm always music- making music to get myself through something. Roy was confident that the song was needed to voice the thoughts and feelings of those who were affected by the shooting. The lyrics underline the importance of the Spartan community coming together to move forward, but he wanted to make it clear in his writing that it's normal for students to be scared. The song includes the names of the three students who were killed in the shooting, Arielle Anderson, Brian Frazier, and Alexandria Werner. Roy said it was necessary to include their names because, quote, whoever hears the name should never forget. We are grieving, but if we stick together, we can pull through. We just have to believe in each other, Roy said. The lyrics that are most personal to Roy depict his experience driving through campus days after the shooting, seeing the rock on Farm Lane and the Spartan statue with virtually no students. He said he can only hear silence. Roy sings, So silent that you can hear the wind when you don't feel like going to school again. Since he released the song, he has received positive messages from students and parents. 
He said some of the messages explain how the song has given them a sense of hope and comfort. Roy said he expects to put out more songs about the shooting, grieving, and the Spartan community in general. He's currently writing a song that is about covering the things we go through, including anxiety and depression. Though he's grateful for the response his music has received, Roy said he ultimately strives for normalcy and unity. We can't do this without each other, he said. We're going to be okay as long as we stick together and have some hope. And on that note, that is it for today's episode of The 1909. Make sure to check us out every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. Signing off from East Lansing, I'm Lily Gwinney. Thank you.